listening to White Truck. Are you ready to truck it? That's right, I'm Dooner here with the dude. How's it going, brother? Beautiful day here in Freight Alley. Doing good. I don't know if we're doing as well as uh, as Jeff Bezos, though, right? He's stepping down as the CEO yeah. at Amazon. He's going to move over to a chairman role, but 25 years, you know, and I was yeah. looking back at that picture of him. I actually put it in the newsletter where he's sitting at that that desk in that small room when he just launched, you know, Amazon.com, and he's got the handwritten banner or the marker written yeah, banner yeah, yeah, behind yeah, him. Yeah. I got to ask you, after 25 years, you know, it's hard to say. We've been in a startup, and, and startup years seem to take a lot longer than regular years. But after, <laughs> Yes, they do. After 25 years, two, nearly $200 billion, would you, do you think you'd be ready to walk away, or would you be like Tom Brady? You're going to go to another team now if you're not with the Patriots. But personally, <laughs> I'd like to say I'd just walk away. Yeah. Right? I, I, if, but if you're that guy who did exactly what you just said, right? 25 years, almost $200 billion you're worth now. Built this incredibly huge Amazon. You build Amazon. Yeah. You're not the type of guy who chills. Well, I mean, when I was 21, 57 sounded kind of ancient as it does when you're 21. But yeah. now at 41, 57 doesn't seem that old. That's only 16 more years of working. I'm not exactly, you know, but he's got a lot of money. He can do a lot of things. He's going to be chairman, too. He's going to be involved with a lot of their programs. And they put a pretty, pretty good hand in place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, he's going to get involved in a lot of charitable things, that type of stuff, and he's going to be chairman of the board. So he'll, he's definitely going to be – it's his baby. He's never going to walk away completely. It no is. matter how big it is, it's his baby. It big is his baby. baby. Hey, we got a big show for you today. It's another Wednesday over here on What the Truck, right? Um, what was I going to say? One more thing. Oh, yeah, he made the announcement Well, on top of the company. This is a Tom Brady thing. I forgot. This is a little aside, though. But they had – I don't know if you guys know this. They had their best quarter ever yeah. with $125.6 in sales, up from $87.4 billion in the same quarter in 2019. You look at that and you go, do they still have runway? Do they still have room to grow? Obviously, they do. Mm. Is this insider from a, from a, from a mass hall about uh, Brady? You think Brady's going to win it this weekend and Ooh. just walk away? Uh, I, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I'm pulling if for him. If he does, you think he'll just walk away All on top like is. Bezos? Uh, no, I don't. He'll go hang with Bezos? I, I think he's going to be one of those guys who has to get beat up like a tomato can yeah, and have that I bad, agree. sad season to walk away. I agree. Anyway, it's Black History Month, and it's our honor to kick off our first Wednesday of the month with two of the fastest-rising black founders in freight. Plus, we'll find out about trucking yoga and stiff mother trucker Cleem. Cream and Britton Wesson will play it forward. But uh, first, let's tip the band. This episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partnerships through outstanding customer service since 2007. Learn more about them at newlegendinc.com. Here's a story for you. North American intermodal volumes climbed nearly 10% in Q4. That's right, Jonah Marsh. She reported that North oh. American intermodal volumes gained nearly 10% in the first quarter of 2020, setting the pace for the first quarter of 2021, according to the International Association of North America. Yeah, that's right. Iana President uh, and CEO uh, Joni Casey said intermodal continued its comeback in the fourth quarter after declines in the first half of the year. Uh, against the backdrop of COVID, all market sectors uh, posted gains, setting a pace into at least Q1 of 2021. IANA uh, estimates that 2021 intermodal volumes could grow by 8% after falling by 2% in 2020. So a heck of a turnaround because of uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic-induced volumes losses in the first half of 2020. That 2% decline was. Um, yeah, heck of a turnaround uh, they're looking for. 
By the way, Jake McCloud, he says, he'll join the space race against Elon next. That is his passion. Oh, I didn't know that about him. Jake, right. uh, he, uh, Jake also says Brady will play until he sucks. Nico Brown says, haha, Legend Transportation is a customer of mine. It's amazing to see them sponsoring What the Truck. So shout out to Legend one more time. There you go. Yeah, so here's what I'm trade quarters across Canada and across Western markets experience significant growth year over year. Indeed, a higher transloading activity from all that West Coast freight, right, to the inland was a major factor in driving this domestic container growth. Um, NRF Chief Economist Jack Klein, Jack Kleinhens, he said this was not a typical holiday season and it took place amid unprecedented shopping landscape. Household emotions likely pay, played into holiday economic decisions as consumers wanting to offset the anxiety and stress experience during 2020. So they spent more money on gifts, right? I think I did that a little. Get that little dopamine rush to click and buy it now. I think we definitely Get did that Lego as sets. well. Yeah, make up, made up yeah. for some things, right? Uh, no vacations, that type of stuff. I mean, yeah. we talked about this all last year leading up to holiday season. We were like, yeah, we're buying earlier. We're buying a little bit more. We didn't oh, get yeah. to go for a vacation. We want to thank our, you know, our kids and family members for, you know, not killing us, for having to be around us, and for us not killing them. <laughs> all that kind of good Vice stuff, versa. right? Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with you. Definitely some emotional bias going on there. Well, see, when all this freight happens, I mean, this the supply chain and the, the sales chain, it all works together, right? Just like mm -hmm. when there's a ton of freight on the West Coast, intermodal goes up. When there's a ton of freight, so do Class 8 truck orders. And January Class 8 truck orders were robust, but they come with a warning. And this has to do with some shortages we've been talking about. Alan Adler's been covering this a lot, especially these semiconductor shortages. But he says that preliminary Class 8 truck orders remain robust in, in January, slowing from December, but still far outpacing orders from two years ago. Bookings exceeded 42,000 units. That was 17% below December, um, reflecting a seasonal pullback after the holidays. But orders were as much as 146% ahead of a year ago January numbers when manufacturers braced for a slowdown later worsened by the coronavirus pandemic. But of course, in January, they weren't fully bracing just yet. So still very strong numbers. Yeah, they had no idea about uh, about COVID yeah. yet there. I mean, it was, it was definitely whispers. a downturn. I mean, things were not good for, for brokerage houses at that time, for brokers, if you remember, last January. But the continued strength in orders reflects fleet optimism that the economy will strengthen as more people receive COVID-19 vaccinations. Uh, and a manufacturing recovery is another positive catalyst for those orders as well. Consumer goods movements remain strong with work and school being conducted in home uh, settings right now. But we'll see what that mix happens in the future, right? Well, Eric Serta, right? So we, if you've been following the What the Truck newsletter, go to what the, uh, go to freightwaves.com slash WTT. I've been covering the meme stocks over the past two weeks. I covered it yesterday in there. But Eric, but Eric Serta, he's not swayed by it. He said he's still got the diamond hands and he's holding on to his AMC. In fact, he bought even more this morning. So, hey, good luck to you and the Red Sox. <laughs> uh, the fourth consecutive month of orders exceeded 40,000 is stressing supply chains, according to Dan, to Don Ake. He's the vice president of commercial vehicles at FTR Transportation Intelligence. Orders for the previous 12 months totaled 308,000. Fleets are placing orders that may not be delivered, though, until the end of the year. And he had this to say, currently there are shortages of raw materials and component parts, which result in the supply being unable to meet the demand of Class 8 trucks in the short term. That includes those semiconductors he's been talking about. They're critical to manufacturing. Daimler AG warned last week that shortages could impact productions this quarter. And I think there might be a breaking news story coming on FreightWaves.com about Daimler spinning off their trucking division. So I, uh, I'm not fully informed on that one, but check FreightWaves.com for more details. That's definitely coming through the wire. Yeah, yeah, you got to definitely check that out. It'll be interesting to see where these where these orders go, right? Yeah, and how much of this is actually uh, you know b bullish on the market, and how much of it? I mean, a lot of it as well. Those some of those records were that uh, a lot of replacements that didn't happen 
right? They were yeah. delayed because of COVID and uncertainty of what was going on there. So a lot of pressure in that market. Hopefully they can keep up with the, the demand. And hey, look, when demand goes up, backlog isn't unusual in no, there. If, if you were following the news in 2018, that came up all the time. Oh, you ordered a truck. You're not going to be getting it for a year anyway because there's so many orders pouring yeah. in. Here's a truck you may want to get, but it's going to take a little bit longer. The Tesla Semi has a new look. And, you know, a lot of people are trying to put pressure on Tesla to get this thing out there. But I think Tesla is just waiting until the battery technology uh, meets what they needed to do. But they did something really interesting. And someone, a user on Twitter, he, they managed to catch uh, these spy photographs here. The updated electric semi-truck prototype, was, it was spotted on this trailer in Sacramento, California, just yesterday, February, or two days ago, February 1st. They think it was heading to the Tesla factory in Reno, Nevada. And there's been a lot of speculation online that the changes that they did to the windshield right there are to get past um, that copy of that, that patent infringement lawsuit that Nikola had left on them just recently. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I read as well. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's some interesting pictures online of the of the silver and black model as well. Um, but yeah, I mean they call them spy 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 photographs. I remember when the spy photographs used to be of you know they had boxes around the cars and stuff like that. Well, this is obviously paraded through the streets. This was just a Twitter. Yeah, this was someone on Twitter this is doing like, it. I hope somebody takes a picture of this well, while we, we're driving. We get, around here sometimes you'll see because we have VW right in our backyard, yeah. so you'll see cars with like the full white wraps on them. It almost looks like when you winterize a boat. Yes. Yeah. And you, they just drive around. They have yeah. the windshield cut out, but yeah, you can't. Exactly. You can get an idea of the shape, but you can't get an idea of the color and all that. Uh, Andrew right. Bound says the ordered trucks will be sitting against the fence if we don't find drivers. Yeah, that definitely. That well, definitely that's, uh, that's a great point there as well. So, uh, I mean, with the with the you know the Tesla Semi, uh, what, what's going on with your uh, Cybertruck, bro? Supposedly 2021. This this year, right? Yeah. But I haven't gotten any updates. No update yet. Yeah, no. I wouldn't be surprised. If it's not keep until, us updated, though, will you? I wouldn't be surprised until not until 2022. Well, I actually have a car in my garage. I have a Honda in my garage that the battery died like a couple months ago, and I still haven't. Fixed it. I've just been using my wife's car. <laughs> there you go. I haven't needed it because of COVID and yeah. lockdowns. You don't need it. You don't need it. Anyways, right now, let's have uh, let's let's bring our guest Pierre Laguerre. He's a founder and CEO of Fleeting out of Brooklyn, New York, onto the show right now. Pierre, it's our honor to have you back on the show. Let's get his mic up. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. How's everyone doing? How's everybody? Is that family's good? Yeah, our families, our families are great. And, you know, as we were preparing for you to come on the show, Michael Vincent and I were going through some of your quotes, and you have some great ones on your website. Oh, yeah. One of them was, I will eliminate hatred, envy, jealousy, selfishness, and cynicism by developing love for all humanity because I know that a negative attitude towards others can never bring me success. I will cause others to believe in me because I will believe in them and in my Self And this strong message you also brought to the Patrick School in Hillside, New Jersey, where you also said that the best thing ever invented to mankind is another 24 hours. Dig into those quotes for me. Tell me, tell me a little bit about uh, why you said that. Yes, absolutely. Um, the 24-hour the quote actually is one of my favorites. And the reason um, that quote uh, it stands is that, you know, as we all human beings, we all have the opportunity to reinvent ourselves every 24 hours, right? And a lot of times we don't realize that we think, hey, look, we have to get things done in 24 hours. We have to be successful. We have to achieve everything all in one day. So for me, it is reminding that, you know, we all have 24 hours and the best thing ever invented is 24 hours. All it's saying is like, look, if you fell at it today, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a failure. That's a temporary defeat. Get up, dust yourself up. Tomorrow's another day and give it a shot again. So that's the meaning of the 24 hours is the best thing ever invented to mankind. 
I, I, I love that. I love that quote. And, mm. you know, I've heard, uh, you know, basically you have, uh, you, you know, two minutes uh, without breathing uh, and, until you die. And it, the clock resets every time you're taking a breath, which is kind of a negative way of looking at it. I like to uh, tell my kids and remind myself that every second I can reinvent myself right now. Sure. That last second doesn't matter. The next yeah. one, the next one matters, right? Moving forward. So I love that 24 hour quote. Talk to us about scaling your trucking business like yours. How, how hard was your journey trucking uh, or scaling your business, Pierre? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, trucking is just very challenging, period, right? Just even for a truck driver, even for a freight broker, for a shipper, for a motor carrier, it's just challenging completely. But now when you're talking about running an operation, hiring drivers, right? And you're dealing with multiple personalities. It really takes a different type of skills to understand your driver's wants, their needs, what's works for them and what don't work for them. So for us, what really helped us as really, really growing our company and scaling is first, we didn't assume that we know what trucking companies want or what drivers want or what shippers want. So we took the time to really speak to a lot of drivers and really understanding what is the biggest pain point that they're feeling in trucking today. And 99% of drivers will tell you trucking just doesn't provide upward mobility. Trucking come with a ceiling cap. I don't have no room to grow. So we saw that as an opportunity. Okay, well, how can we provide an ecosystem to provide to drivers, give them the ability to have upward mobility. So then that will give us the return to where now we can understand who we're working with, what's their goal, what's their vision, and how can we all come together and help the drivers reach that vision together. And at the same time, us as a company, we ultimately reach our goal. There's a favorite quote that say, hey, look, the best way to get what you want in life is to help as much people get what they want. So for us, we understand that we want to build a successful company. We want to bring more efficiencies in trucking. So in other ways to do it is to allow the drivers to have truly upward mobility, an opportunity to move up. You know, if you ever want to trigger someone, you, you say that you, you start talking about the driver shortage, right, Michael Vincent? People yeah. have strong opinions on this one. But one thing most people agree on is that it can be difficult to find a good driver. How hard is it to find a good driver and to seat a good driver? And how do you aid in that? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's very challenging to get to find a good driver, right? And that's due to several reasons. If we look at the world that we live in today, everybody wants everything instantly, right? Truck drivers are working 30, 40 days on the road. Some of them are spending 250 nights away from their family, right? And then you have Uber and you have uh, Lyft. Who the hell wants to be a truck driver today when they could just drive an Uber or drive a Lyft, be home with their family every week? And make a thousand dollars. So that creates a bigger problem in the trucking space. So for us, when we're looking at how do we identify a great talent, a great driver, is number one is to find out exactly what is that driver motive, what motive is that driver, what his vision, what his goal. Do you have children? What do you see? What is your five-year goal? What is your three-year goal? And what is it that you're willing to do to achieve that goal? So that's the step that we take when we're interviewing drivers based on goals, and we just give them the tools and resources to achieve those goals. And by doing that um, practice alone, we can actually eliminate who's a qualified, who's a real serious driver, and who somebody is just going to pretty much, you know, run around circles and waste your time as a uh, motor carrier or uh, a trucking company. So, uh, Pierre, can you give us a little bit uh, more about your, your background? I mean, it, we're, we're uh, trying to highlight, uh, you know, uh, black leaders in our industry. It is Black History Month, right? Sure. And, and you've, got a, you've got an interesting history of where, how you landed in, in, in Brooklyn and how you fought your way to where you are right now as a, as a CEO. Can you give people a little, little taste of that? I, I think it's inspirational. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, I came here uh, with 15 years old, uh, born and raised in Haiti, came here with the dream of becoming a neurologist. <laughs> but unfortunately, where I landed in Brooklyn, I call it the rotten part of the apple. It was really bad around the time. And the norm was really, you know, drug dealing and gang banging, seeing young men losing their life early, being incarcerated. So for me, the fear of being a statistic, the fear of becoming a product of my environment, I was always looking for a way to escape. And trucking was something I was looking. Maybe I could 
drive a truck and never come back. So I did go to college, study electrical engineering. Financially, I really couldn't couldn't do it. I was it was only me. I was the only boy, and I had three three other siblings, three sisters, and I was the only man in the family. So I had to drop out of college to become a truck driver. Uh, worked for XPO Logistics, worked for Performance Food Group, started doing food deliveries in the same college that I was going to. And this is where my entrepreneur journey really started. I remember I was uh, somewhat ashamed, embarrassed about it. Didn't want my professor to see me. And one day I actually ran into my professor and he said, Pierre, what's the matter? Why are you hiding? I said, well, you know, I dropped out of school to become a trucker. I didn't want to look like a loser. He said, loser, how much are you making a year? At the time I was doing about 90K a year. He said, well, Pierre, look, half of these kids is going to graduate and not going to see 90K. So I want you to own it, be prideful and be the best trucker you can be. And that message right there really meant a lot. It resonated with me. A year later, I purchased my own truck, became an owner operator, parked my, parked my truck up um, a year later, went to Wagner College and took a course for supply chain logistics, learned trucking much more on a macro level, but I was eager to learn it on a micro level. Then went on and took a course to become a freight broker. Didn't really open up a freight broker, and I don't want to sound like I'm vilifying all brokers here, but in broker school, that's when I realized brokers make money on truckers' ignorance. Truckers don't understand unit economics. They don't understand how to build relationships directly with shippers. They don't understand how to run their business efficiently. So they depend heavily on brokers to do that for them, and that come with a course. So I didn't want to start a brokerage firm. I launched a staffing agency in trucking where I was providing drivers to trucking companies, grew that business to $2.5 million in revenue under two years, and then took that proceed, started the trucking company, started with three trucks, grew that business to about 16 trucks, six months, and also had another 10 owner operators and grew that business to $1.9 million in revenue. Wow. Wow, Bells. That's, yeah, that's, 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 cowbell, of right? course. I mean, that's incredibly <laughs> impressive. Here's yeah. a little cowbell for you for, yeah, man, for that one. I'm, you know, having that background as a truck driver, having that experience being in the business, how much has that informed your journey as you as you as you have fleeting now? Oh, absolutely. I think um, when I was when I was a driver, I didn't know this is where I would end. Right, I always knew that I wanted to uh, be an entrepreneur. Can you hear me? Oh, can you hear me? All right. Yeah. Yeah, I knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know which route I wanted to go. So when I got into trucking, I really um, had a lot of love for it, really understand the industry, became really passionate about it. But when I really started running trucking and see how challenging it was, it was like, you was already too far in. For me, it was like, okay, I'm already five years in the trucking around that time. What do I do? Do I go back to school and get another degree? Or how do I make this my thing? How do I improve this? How do I make this better for me? How do I make this better for other companies? How do I make this better for other drivers that's involved in it every day? So as I learned being a driver and I saw all those pain points and I didn't see no companies that was taking the actual step to bring a solution to the market. And I felt like I had a moral duty and I felt like I had a moral obligation to bring the solution to market because I am truly passionate about trucking. And not only that, trucking took me from a marginalized community and built multi-million dollar businesses to where I am today. And I believe there's millions of young men across North America that are looking for those same opportunities. I have a strong feeling that I, I can create an ecosystem to actually bridge that opportunity to those young men and young women in America. So I think that experience, although it was challenging, but it is, um, that's what exactly prepared me to be where I am today. So I don't regret it that one bit. I accept every wound, every challenge. Yeah, you, I mean, he's super right. supportive. If you look at some of the work he does, especially with other black founders in freight. So I, I guess my question for, for you is how challenging is it to start a business in freight when you're an immigrant, a former truck driver, unsexy business in, uh, you know, what had traditionally been sort of a good old boys, mm -hmm. you know, lily white kind of club. And then then you and these and all these other great founders are coming along. Is it becoming a lot easier? Are the barriers to entry dropping? I wouldn't say that the area of the entry is dropping. I just think that social media is kind of exposing the public more to transportation and the opportunities that's involved in it. But I don't think the barrier to entry is getting any easier. 
But to uh, stress on the point that you say, yes, it is very challenging to be, you know, an immigrant, speak no English, to come into trucking and learn the space and even trying to build your own businesses because it is sometimes the trucking industry can be interpreted as a cowboy uh, ecosystem, right? Pretty much is the people, you know, if you don't know nobody, you won't get access to the right shippers. If you don't know how to build a relationship with the brokers, you're going to deal with the brokers that are honest, that's going to give you, you know, bad freight. All of that is really to consideration. So when you're a minority founder, especially a black man or black woman coming into trucking, and if we look at it, the people that actually control trucking, you know, there's a large corporation that are not owned by black um, by black families or black founders. So it is very challenging for us founders to get in front of these companies and show them that we can actually deliver qualified services to them as well. But the challenge is, is that, you know, since they're not used to it, they kind of look at us as a minority. They kind of look at us as we don't have the capacity, right? So, for example, all these small businesses that's coming into trucking today, that we do not have the capacity to attract the right shipper. So that makes it very challenging. When you start with one or two trucks, what shipper is going to give you business? Shippers want to know, hey, look, can you handle 100? Can you handle 150 loads? When you have two trucks as a minority business, it's very hard to build those relationships, to bridge the gap, and to get into the big players and really start growing your company. But what I would say, though, there is definitely a change in trucking. Um, a lot of people are seeing the interest in trucking. A lot of um, smart, talented individuals, especially software engineers that I'm seeing that showing a lot of interest in trucking. I truly believe those tools, those individuals will make trucking a lot more easier. That will lower the barrier to entry. That will give other people opportunity to build a successful business and transportation. Hell yeah. We're actually going to be talking to yeah. one of them next, Marcus Cooksey. Um, we do have to get to him, but I want to send people your way after the show. Where do we send them to, Pierre? Yes, definitely. You can find me on LinkedIn, Pierre Laguerre. Uh, Instagram is Pierre underscore Laguerre 5. You can check out our website. It's www.fleeting.us. So definitely we're excited about what's happening. We have some great things in the system. We have a great feature that we just launched in January. We'd love to bring it to you guys' attention sometime next week so we can talk about it and see the opportunity that Fleeting is bringing into the industry, how it helps truckers, how it helps shippers. And eventually, I know I talk about brokers, but our software also help brokers as well because we realize 99% of brokers aren't leveraging technology. They're still using pen and paper and laminated papers to, you know, to run their load. So we're excited about what's coming up. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you again. Thank you again. And send Thanks, me those Pierre. details. We'll get you, we'll get you back on to talk about it when that comes up. Now let's head on over to, uh, let's on, let's head on over to Marcus Cooksey. He's the CEO over at Duke AI in Dallas, Texas. Marcus, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, thank you guys for having me on the show. What an incredible guest before here. That, I, I love what he was doing there, yeah, Pierre. Yeah, have thanks you, for having me. Have you met yeah. Pierre before? Because if you haven't, you should definitely connect with him. Oh, yeah. We, we've talked and we've exchanged emails, but I think uh, we're, we've been busy, but I'm definitely going to reach out to him very, very soon. <laughs> well, see, Marcus, reaching out is, is, in, is in his wheelhouse. So I put oh, yeah. out that, that comeback story, you know, talking about how logistics can be a great second life, third life in yeah, business, fourth yeah. life, whatever it may be. Well, he DM'd me on LinkedIn and he told me a little bit about his own sort of comeback story and, and where, getting to where he is at Duke AI. Now, can you share that with us, Marcus? Sure. Yeah. My first uh, entry into transportation was at UPS uh, as I was putting myself through college while playing basketball at the same time. So I didn't receive a scholarship. So UPS is where I worked and I loaded trucks. And uh, and that's that was my first entry into uh, transportation. My aspirations was to eventually become a driver because uh, I didn't know if the university thing was going to was going to work out. And if you know anything about UPS, it takes a long time before you go from sorter 
to to to, to a loader and then eventually become a driver. So it was a competition of okay, can I get this degree or can I become a driver? Right, and so that's kind of how I started. Beautiful, that's awesome. And where did you go from there? How did how did it develop? And how were you like? You know, what was your why behind Duke AI? Where did the journey take you from there? Yeah, so I, I ended up getting my college uh, degree in uh, computer science engineering. Uh, worked in corporation, corporate world for a while, and then I was looking for a passive income. And so I had family members who were truckers. Uh, they were doing okay, but they were looking to become independent owner-operators. They had shared a few uh, insights with me, and so we coll- I collaborated with them. And I said, you know what? I can't quit my full-time job, but if you guys can help me learn trucking, uh, this may be a good opportunity. So I started with a cousin of mine. Uh, we started uh, hauling, believe it or not, hazardous material. That was one of my first lucrative uh, projects, our first lucrative uh, opportunities uh, being a new company. And I grew my fleet from one truck, to, you know, to five trucks. And, uh, and I was doing this while working full time. But one of the problems I had, even though I could do dispatching and do a lot of things, I couldn't understand my profit and loss. I couldn't under- really do my bookkeeping. And so there weren't any solutions that I thought that were really practical for owner-operator for someone who's on the road. And so I came up with Duke AI. And the concept of Duke is, oh, it's not a concept, it's actually a product. The product is, you know, I'm on the road, I take a picture of a document, I upload a bank statement, I upload a settlement statement, uh, I take a picture of my POD or rate sheet confirmation, and it does everything for me. And when I say everything for me, so in the case of bookkeeping, it actually automatically categorizes everything on, on the settlement statement. It knows a fuel receipt. It can dis- d- distinguish between DF, DEF, uh, reefer, or diesel fuel, and it categorizes it. It sees meals, and it categorizes automatically. And you're not entering anything. In the case of POD, you take a picture of a BOL rate sheet. It actually correlates that together, generates the invoice over to you so that you can transmit that back to the factoring company, making life easier for the broker, factoring companies, and so forth. So that's really the, the feature set of Duke AI. You know, Marcus, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that uh, are, and a lot of a lot of companies that that uh, try and disrupt this industry and do disrupt this industry. And from that, and I don't mean disruption. I mean you know bringing it forth, new technology, moving it forward, et cetera, and, and bringing new technology, new data sets, et cetera, into the business. Uh, and, and you took the path of of learning the business first. How important was that to you? And and do you think in your success at, at, at Duke AI, as opposed to somebody comes in and tries to bring forth what they think is going to be a solution? Right. I understood the pain points from my own experience. Also, I actually have a driver community and they tell me what they need and what they what, what what's helpful for them. And so being part of the community, having experienced those pain points myself, and then add that with my ability uh, as a software engineer uh, to be able to do some prototyping, make that come true. I think that's one of those unique things that that we that I brought to really provide something that's going to really effectively help the, the drivers, especially the owner operators, the small five, you know, one to five truck, 10 truck uh, uh, owner operators, fleet companies. Uh, you know, I I love that too. It was like it, it was like when we were talking to Dom from Fast, or we heard we we're talking to from uh, to Allison from Fast. But we we yeah. heard from Dom, and Dom's backstory on starting Fast was that his grandmother was trying to order groceries online, and you know the, that's how we got the idea for this one click checkout that they yeah. they do now. It's it's one of those those problems that you you go out and you solve yourself, you know, and it's fantastic to to hear it. How have there been any challenges along the way of starting Duke AI and? Uh, do you think it's sort of the same question we asked Pierre? Do you think that that black founders have it any tougher in this space than than perhaps white founders? Um, I think 
my, my situation was a little different from the standpoint it is difficult, but because I actually had a network of people to get found funding, it helped me just having that corporate background. But I would that that's not to say that other individuals without that same network to find it you know, easy. So there were certain things I think I had some advantage just through my learning, right? Uh, but starting Duke has still been, been a challenge. I always tell people, if, you, have you, if you've ever made a baby, it's kind of similar to that. Uh, it's fun during the conception phase, uh, but then afterwards, uh, <laughs> trying to put everything together, uh, it's a hard problem we're solving. And when you think about it, of the millions of document types and different uh, arrangements that it comes in, you know, sometimes the images are not right to maybe try to automate that whole process is arduous. There's labor pains. I'm staying up late at night when the system, you know, sends something that says, hey, something's broken. Uh, so it is tough from that standpoint. And so you need a lot of money. All right. And so one of the problems that we have sometimes is just getting VC capital and so forth like that. And from that standpoint, that can be challenged. I found that a little difficult, just raising money for the project. Yeah, it can be. I know that you're a big proponent of brand, a big believer in building a brand. And and you make some uh, really good points uh, about how to do that and what's important in building that brand. Can you can you share that with our our, our audience? Oh, yeah, your McDonald's yeah. post. Yeah, the McDonald's <laughs> yeah, post, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was just to cook, yeah, I say tell people, you know, McDonald's will make a, make a, make, uh, will mess up your order a hundred times, you'll come back to them. And a small business like ourselves will mess up once and, and they'll never come back. And why is that? It's because of brand, right? You can't tell a kid, no, we can't go to McDonald's uh, because they forgot the fries the last time. And so there's a stickiness there. It, it almost has become like they can't, we won't go away from that product. And so as, a, as brands, what we have to do is provide something. We have an advantage as small businesses. If you have a problem at McDonald's, more than likely, not to say anything wrong about McDonald's, but they're not going to call you back immediately. They're not going to uh, rectify the situation immediately. So that's where us small businesses, uh, emerging businesses, that's where we get the advantage. Call back within five minutes. You know, I, I work with other companies, and it takes them five days to respond. That's bad, right? Uh, make the make every interaction better. We were working with one big company and, and they told us every time you, we interacted with you guys, the, the, the demo got better to the point where they were like, okay, let's sign it, right? And so there's some swift and nimble things we can do that gives us an advantage to increase our brand. Now, speaking of brand and, and more in line with that topic and just to sort of stay within the theme, do you think that black founders have to be more mindful of sort of culture and race identity and some of those challenges you even mentioned about, about raising capital? Do you think that's something that makes sense to incorporate into brand? It, it does. It does. But it, you always have to be authentic, too. Yeah. Right. I you know, one of the things you want to see is the culture and authenticness of your brand. But I think there is also a crossover appeal. And I always think that hip hop has done a great job of doing that. If you look at hip hop, right, it is branded in such a way that it is not marketed just to one ethnic. It's actually cross. And how did they do that? Well, I think each each company has to understand what can they do uh, to brand themselves that is attractive to many people, whether it's getting the VC uh, or, or to get someone else to buy that product. Yeah, well, hey, Marcus, before we let you go in, and because of what you just said there, I got to ask you, what is the best 90s hip-hop album, and why is it Tupac's All Eyes on Me? <laughs> you just answered it right there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, that, that or, uh, like, Wu-Tang Forever was another, another good one. I played that so often my freshman year of college that my roommate broke disc two on it, and he, like, put it under my pillow and then act like he didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
still mad about that too, man. That was like 23 years ago. I'm still, Rick, I'm coming after you, man. I don't care if I can listen on Spotify for free now. Okay. Uh, Marcus, where do people reach out and how do they learn, how do they connect with you and also learn more about Duke? Okay. You can find me on LinkedIn, Marcus Cooksey. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page, uh, Duke.ai. Our website is Duke.ai. Instagram page is, you know, Duke.ai. So just to find us and uh, yeah. And yeah, we, that's, yeah, that's how you can reach us. <laughs> Love it, man. Thank you, thank you so much for your time today. We'll have to have you back on soon and continue this conversation. All right, Take thanks care. for having me. Thanks, Marcus. All right, now we're going to hear awesome. from. Well, actually, before we hear, I, I love Mark. He's a great guy. Um, <laughs> all right, before we get it, we got to hit up our sponsors right now. Again, we'd like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with strategic customers while providing seamless solutions for its drivers and is West Regional. West Regional's premier freight transportation company. Learn more at newlegendinc.com. Now, speaking of another person with, uh, you know, a bit of a comeback story and also a big voice, it's Britton Wesson. He is a marketing, he's a market development executive over at JB Hunt. He's going to play it forward for us, and he's here with us now. Britton, thanks for joining us. Uh, good afternoon, fellas. How y'all doing? I, I love that little guitar you got there. What, what, are you, uh, what are you playing? What is that guitar? This uh, is a custom-built guitar. A, a buddy of mine is a, uh, a a guitar builder. He's a luthier by hobby down in East Texas. And several years ago, I did his son's wedding. I did the music for his son's wedding, and he took me into his workshop, and uh, uh, I got to design it uh, from scratch. It's called a Butler, and uh, it's modeled after the Martin HD28. Um, and so I've played it for years. Uh, it's got a nice... Nice dark resonating tone on it, and uh, so yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I've got here in my lab. Now I like that. You, so you just jogged my memory about something. I was watching a documentary just recently, Michael Vincent, yeah. about there's a recovery center, and if I'm not mistaken, it might be in Tennessee that is run by a luthier. And um, part of the recovery is you build your own instruments, and it's I like I saw that. Yeah, so it gives you something to care about and something to, to just build, <laughs> especially when you're when you're at a super low. As someone who's been through rehab, I know that feeling entirely. Yeah, I saw. I think it is. I thought. Yeah, it's in this area, in it's Kentucky somewhere. or somewhere around here. Yeah, absolutely. The kid was uh, in and out of. Uh, uh, jail and that type of stuff and hooked yeah. up with a, a guy and started making guitars. That's exactly right. And started that program. Yeah. I dig cool. it, man. Well, make that guitar Very sing cool, and make, your, make yourself sing too. We want to hear it. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess the one that got the attention was this an old Jim Reeves tune um, called This World Is Not My Home. And I've got a faith background. And, uh, you know, last year, man, I had this song just rolling in my head a lot. So I decided to throw it on Instagram and it got some attention. And so I'll just do a little bit of it for you guys. Thanks for having me on. Sure. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Beautiful. 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 I love that, Thank you, man. Gentlemen. 
What, awesome. are you, what are you doing working in freight? Why aren't you, uh, no. you know, tearing down the stage <laughs> you over here in Nashville? And close my eyes and everything. That was awesome. Man, you know, I've done music a lot prior to uh, my time at JB Hunt, and um, it was a time where I needed to kind of step out of it for a while to uh, really help raise my family. And uh, JB Hunt's been a huge blessing uh, for me and my family. And I still do a lot of music with my church on the side, um, and uh, and so I'm not completely out of it. It's just not. Uh, it's just not how I make my living these days. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. So you also have a, a, a podcast, the mm-hmm. Buffalo way. Can you, can you talk to us about that? The Buffalo way leadership podcast? Yeah, that's it. Um, uh, the Buffalo way leadership podcast is a podcast that I host with a buddy of mine here in town. And, uh, with my faith background, my, I did a lot of church work prior to JB hunt. Uh, my buddy Russ and I, we, we teamed up to develop the Buffalo way leadership podcast. And what we do is, we talk about leadership principles, uh, leading here and now with what you've got, with who you're with. Uh, we have three driving principles that drive us at the Buffalo Way, and that is uh, the characteristics of what we see as the buffalo, the American bison. Um, is It's strong, resilient, and completely useful. And so our challenge to our, our listeners, who we call the herd, is, hey, we want you to live this way each and every day. Because somebody in your circle of influence, or maybe they're not in your circle of influence, they're going to need you to be strong, resilient, and completely useful in some way. Somebody's going to need that today. And who are you going to be that to? And so that's how we challenge people. We we talk, we have a lot of uh, listeners who are young, out of college, uh, young professionals. And so that's how we that's how we challenge them to, to live each day, uh, is, is strong, resilient, and completely useful. As a matter of fact, we're, uh, we're, we're dropping some episodes. We're going to be recording some episodes tonight. And uh, so, yeah, we we love doing it and we're looking at expanding it a little bit. We're not quite sure. But uh, right now we podcast, we talk about those issues and and encourage people to live that way and, and lead where you are with who you've got with what you've got. Well, you've made some fans in my congregation here. Uh, Andrew Brown says, this is a great episode. Scott Watanabe said, keep the faith as well. You took us to church, brother. Yeah, you did. C.R. Burns <laughs> says, uh, amen, amen, bless you. Beautiful Love song. It. And Derek Staples said, this was great. So you made a lot of people That's happy awesome. in the comments. Uh, what would, so in terms of like leadership, what would you tell two knuckleheads like, like us? How can we be better leaders up here? <laughs> You know, uh, I would say that uh, what I know about the trucking industry, I've only been in about, about three years, so I'm still pretty much a greenhorn. Uh, but um, what I would encourage you guys to do is just to keep keep pressing the message of resilience because the trucking industry is a roller coaster, man. You know, uh, and so that's what I've learned. You know, you've got uh, driver hiring issues. You've got all kinds of issues from coming from the feds and you know, all regulations and it's, 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 it's a tough business. And so keep preaching the message of being resilient, but also I want people to understand from you guys how utterly completely useful uh, our, our truckers are to our country and to what we need and what we do every day. And so keep encouraging them in that way. Uh, that's what I would say to you guys. Excellent stuff, and I agree with you 100%. I got to give an amen back to the, you know, respect <laughs> to the to the truckers, right? Since we're in church, we had we had Marcus, Absolutely. we had Pierre testifying, then we had a hymn, and now we're we're, 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 we're moving on, right? So uh, you've had a <laughs> really appreciate you coming on uh, and and playing that forward for us. You've had a comeback story yourself, kind of, yeah. He right? kind of mentioned it, right? He said you, you, he's new to freight. Yeah, exactly. Tell us that. How'd you get into yeah. freight? How did you find another life here? 
You know, how I found the life here is, so I was, uh, I live in Fayetteville and the church I was serving at uh, hit some hard times and financially had to shut her, shut her doors. And I wound up working for a uh, big box home retailer for about a year and had a great time <clears throat> doing that. I really did. Um, but one of the gentlemen, uh, one of my supervisors uh, at Hunt uh, actually went to church with me and his kids were in our student ministry. And he approached me one day, we ran into each other and he said, Hey, what are you doing? I told him I was working at uh, the big box place. And uh, he said, well, have you ever thought about a career in sales? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> because I had these images of, you know, slinging vacuums and knives door to door and, you know, and, but he sat down and talked with me and um, man, the doors were open and it's been, a, it's been a, a great journey. I've learned a lot. Um, and so uh, that's, that's kind of the short story of how I wound up in, in, in trucking was we, the, one of the guys I report to actually went to our church. And, and wow. so that's how I got connected. So. Well, Britain, we know. have to have you, we have to have you back on soon to yeah. play another mm -hmm. hymn for us. Cause uh, that was, that was hey, some beautiful yeah. stuff. But in the meantime, people want to connect with you. They like what they heard on this show. Where should we send them? Hey, you can find the Buffalo way leadership on Instagram. Uh, it's kind of a crazy name because Instagram's a crazy place. Uh, but it's Buffalo underscore way underscore leadership. So Buffalo Way Leadership with an underscore between Buffalo Way and Way Leadership. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, just under my name, Britton Wesson. Um, and so uh, those are the two main places right there. Yeah. Thank you, man. Take take care, and thanks for joining us on the show. That was a lovely song. Absolutely. I can't wait to watch. I look forward to doing it again, gentlemen. Y'all have yeah. a great one. Can't wait you to too. watch the thanks, replay Brandon. on that one. You know, he, he said awesome. like sales, though. It's not, it's not like vacuums, but I mean, I'll tell you, I was in freight sales, and yeah. still when I drive by like – Kenco or a carrier or some mm -hmm. shippers, I start to have like PTSD of like having to go in there and, and do a cold call and, oh, yeah. and, and yeah, ask yeah. the desk if I can speak to someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, yeah. it never leaves you. It no, never it leaves it you, people. All right. Our next guest is Hope Zavara. Maybe, you know, maybe that could chill me out. Maybe that could take some of the anxiety is her truck in yoga, right? She's yeah, got the stiff, exactly. she's also, she also created a stiff mother, stiff mother trucker pain relief cream. She's joined us out of Washington County, Wisconsin. Hey, Hope. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm super happy to be here. <laughs> uh, we're happy to have you. And I want to thank Shannon Courier, by the way, from St. Saint, from Saint Christopher. She connected us after coming on the show last time. Good friend of the show. And um, I'd mentioned her. I was like, hey, if you know anyone cool we should talk to, send it my way. And you are one of those cool people. Well, I'm honored. You know, Shannon is a great friend and a great colleague. And St. Christopher's Fund is one of those organizations if you're not donating to, you absolutely need to be. Yeah. Hey, amen. Say that again. I'm going to give that a little cowbell. Yeah. So, there so we go. how do you get into this wild? So, how, were you like a yoga instructor beforehand? And then you saw truckers kind of like, you know, walking weird through yeah. rest stops and stuff, and you decided to get involved. And what was the, uh, what was the why behind all this? Absolutely. So, um, my background is in uh, yoga and fitness. I, for 15 years, owned a yoga studio. I had a state vocational school here in Wisconsin teaching yoga and was just kind of looking for something more. I think we all, if you're, uh, if you're someone that's looking to continue to help people, you're always looking to grow. And I was looking to do that. And one night I went to a small little business mixer. I live in a small farming and industrial town. And I started talking with this guy and I'm trying to pitch him yoga. He, he's in trucking and he looks at me and says, do you have anything for truck drivers like in the cab of their truck? And I'm a pretty funny person at times. And I throw up my hands and I'm like, mother trucker yoga, just trying to get a rise out of this guy. Like <laughs> Everyone is twice my age at this mixer, except for this dude and me. Um, so 
he sticks out his hand and he's like, that's brilliant. We should go into business. And four months later, we built Mother Trucker Yoga. It's a membership platform. Uh, we have corporate offerings and uh, built a full website and launched it in 2018 at Matt's. And uh, a year ago, I bought him out of the business. And six months ago, I released our pain relief cream, Stiff Mother Trucker. So it's been a ride, but uh, I love drivers. I absolutely love working with truck drivers, which sometimes people are shocked about. But uh, they're some of the best people on the planet. <laughs> that is awesome. So uh, tell us about the Stiff Mother Trucker cream. Uh, exactly what is it? What can it be used for? And is it true that it was developed because uh, of injuries trying to do downward dog in the cab of a truck? <laughs> well, if that's the storyline you like, that is totally fine. That's what um, I'm going with. <laughs> from, uh, from a yoga background, I was always using everybody else's pain relief cream. And they were either a chemical you know, infusion in a tube or they didn't do much of anything, or they were too greasy, um, or they were just, they weren't doing what I wanted it to do. And that was always on my bucket list. I'm like, one day, I'm going to make my own pain relief cream. And an opportunity presented itself about a year ago. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I was able to work with a really awesome manufacturer and formulator out of Arizona. And we did about 10 runs of it and finally came up with the Stiff Mother Trucker formula. And what makes ours really, really special, if you know anything about pain relief cream, is most pain relief creams on the market only have one or two active ingredients, and they're usually menthol. That's the, like, smell that you get, or it's like, oh, that feels good, but then it kind of goes away. Ours has six. Um, and so we really try to focus a lot on blood flow and inflammation and kind of that deep penetration. And... Uh, I like, obviously, you can tell by my business name, I have a sense of humor. So mm. Stiff Mother Trucker, people get a rise out of it, a laugh out of it, yeah. and it actually helps you. Deep so, penetrating um, cream. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and however you use it is totally up to you. Uh, but <laughs> I highly second. suggest, I highly suggest. <laughs> what, wait, what other uses would someone have for that? <laughs> Do <laughs> not use as a cereal topic. You gotta laugh. You gotta laugh. Okay, like your business is mother trucker yoga. You gotta laugh. Like <laughs> I'm with you. So you have to have a sense of humor. But let, so let me let's be honest. Let's be real here, right? I follow a lot of truckers on Twitter. Yeah. I talk to a lot of truckers. A lot of truckers. You know, if I said to them, "Hey, you start doing some yoga," they would be like, "Get your socialist liberal agenda out of here. I'm not doing any yoga." A lot of them are like, "Guys, guys, how do you convince? How do you convince them? Like the 85 Bears. Remember they got them to do ballet? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. how do you get like the 85 Bears at trucking to like start doing yoga. So yeah. these guys are like, all right, maybe it's, you know, maybe yoga. it's all right. Next if I you're going to want me to watch soccer. Yeah. No way. <laughs> well, well, here's the whole approach is that coming from a yoga background, I feel like yoga is completely taken out of context. And the majority of people practicing yoga, you know, they're so focused on, you know, fancy poses and, you know, yoga leggings and all that stuff. My whole approach to mother trucker yoga with truck drivers is small, simple changes. So if you're in your driver's seat and your back starts hurting, what do the majority of drivers do? Ow, my back hurts. Ow, my back hurts. Ow, my back hurts. And then do nothing. And so my whole approach is if you're sitting in your driver's seat right now, why don't you just sit up tall and take a deep breath in and just arc your lower back like there's a pin behind you and just do it as far as you can. And then when you breathe out, round your spine like you're going to tuck your tailbone un underneath your body and you kind of round your back like a C. And just do that a couple times in the driver's seat. This is something that you can safely do while you're driving to reduce that back pain. So when you get out of your truck or your car or your vehicle, wherever you are, we all have experienced that and you're kind of locked up. It's like, just give me a second so I can become human again. 
A move like this, it's called pelvic tilting, can help eliminate and reduce that so you're not throwing your back out. So you're not feeling like you're in pain for the six plus hours that you're driving at a time or however long or stuck in traffic. This is what mother trucker yoga is all about, is these small little things that you can discreetly put into your day that no one will even know that you're doing yoga. So it's moves like this in the driver's seat. It's moves right in the sleeper, a quick little stretch, a quick little thing that you can do right before you go to bed. Um, even things that you can do while you're filling up with fuel and no one will even know what you're doing, but you'll know what you're doing and you benefit in the long run. So that's really what we're all about. It's great. And, it, and it works while you're hosting a, a, a show like this as well. We were just, we were just posture shape. We were, we were, we were following you and I, I feel better and I'm actually taller. Look, my head doesn't fit in the screen anymore. <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> I got to shrink back down again. But uh, so, uh, you know, getting people interested, convincing them to do it right uh, is, is one thing. The, yeah. in, the initial getting them to go, keeping it going uh, and, and growing. You need to you need to develop some sort of community as well. Are you, are you doing that? Are you developing some type of community around this to, to keep Absolutely. people interested and develop it? Absolutely. So um, we have a couple of Facebook groups that I do a lot in. We just ran a water drinking challenge for January um, that we had some truck drivers that they couldn't even remember the last bottle of water that they drank. Um, and we had some goals set up with them and some strategies on how to get your water in without needing to take so many bathroom breaks, which is always a concern for drivers. Yeah, drink up right now. <laughs> um, and mine. some resources that they can utilize. Exactly, exactly. Um, so these are some of the things that we're doing. And then we also have our online membership site that truck drivers can join in. We have companies that can sign on and they can utilize their, our video platform. Um, we have audios, we have meditations, we have downloads, all sorts of fun stuff for truck drivers to utilize. Because one of the things I've recognized is everybody else is still slapping workout programs on people, not just truck drivers, but I think our culture in general, it's like, oh, I'm going to work out for five days. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm never going to eat anything with sugar. And that lasts like two hours. Yeah. Maybe two days if they're lucky. And then instead of saying, I'm going to do maybe one small thing, they just completely throw it out the window. So the whole approach with Mother Trucker Yoga is how about we just start with one bottle of water? I'm not going to tell you you should never drink soda again, but how about one bottle of water to just swap out one bottle of soda? How about just five minutes of you walking outside around your truck while you're waiting to load or unload? Like these may not seem like big things, but when you add these all up at the end of the day, that could be 20 minutes of extra movement that you've gotten in. That could be the difference between having a major immune system issue or, or, or a digestive issue or whatever it is because you're drinking water now versus not. And by building these small, simple changes, we call it just a foundation, you're going to be able to have your health for the rest of your life. When I hear a lot from drivers and just people outside the trucking community, it's like, well, once I retire... I'm gonna take care of my health. Well, honey, sir, you may not be able to retire if you keep living the way that you're living. And there's such a stigma around trucking that it's like, oh, truck drivers aren't healthy. And I just don't believe that to be true. I've met hundreds of truck drivers that are proving the industry wrong that health does matter. And to the trucking company owners out there, I mean, I've had a challenge, I'm not gonna lie. Mm. A lot of companies are like, yeah, I care about health. And I'm like, okay, show me your wellness program. Oh, we don't have one. <laughs> well, you have someone with a title called wellness coordinator. So what are they coordinating? And, and so part of my job, I feel like, is to call these people out and say, okay, you want to support truck driver health, but you don't want to do anything about it. So I want to do something about it because everyone deserves to be healthy. 
Well, and can, you know, community is such a big thing too, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because her just talking about like doing the stretching. Both of you and I are just stretching in the chair. It's like that power yep. of went, suggestion. I'm sure, guys, in the comments, did you start stretching in your chairs? You mentioned water. water. I mean, like without even thinking, I'm grabbing my water, you know, and, and I'm starting to drink it. I tend to drink a lot of water as is. I'll drink like four or five of these uh, a day. Um, that's oh, yeah. kind of like all I drink is water. So yep. that's some iced tea. Maybe and that's the, you know, it's the interesting thing is when I made the switch, and it was years ago that I, I started doing what you said, one water, one water. Yeah. I crave water. I, I can't stand no. soda anymore. It's the best energy drink on the market I is love water. It. That's what, yeah, that's what big energy doesn't want to tell you, right? That's right. That's absolutely. what the flute tog. At Red Bull, they won't tell you if you go to the flute tog. They won't be like, just drink water. They won't say that. Oh, no, no. They won't no. tell you that. There's no just water TV or, or sports. It's true kids. Hope, we're almost <laughs> out of time. Where do we send people yeah. to start doing this yoga and get involved in your programs? Absolutely. You can find me on Facebook, Mother Trucker Yoga. I do a wellness uh, wellness Wednesday and a fitness Friday Facebook Live every week. So you can check me out and just be like, what is this chick up to? Um, so you can check us out on Facebook. You can also find us on Instagram on Mother Trucker Yoga. And uh, that's usually where I hang out the most. But you can hop over to our website. If you're like, I'm going to check out the stiff mother trucker stuff um, or just what we're up to, you can just hop over to our website at mothertruckeryoga.com. Oh, before you go, has anyone ever gotten stuck in the truck while doing any of your yoga poses? You know, nobody has actually told me that they have. You know, whether or not it's happened, I'm not sure. Um, but so far, we have nothing but happy truck drivers, and, and that I pride myself on. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they're not doing, like, happy trees and tables and stuff like that, in, are they? Speak for yourself. <laughs> I've been known to plank in a truck or two. I will, right. stay out of your, I will stay out of your personal business, dude. <laughs> hey, once again, thank you again for joining us on the show. We appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. So. so here's the story. Here's the story for you. Um, speaking of speaking of yoga, stretching, getting in a tight squeeze. Look at <laughs> look at this picture we have on screen right now. So this truck right here, according to Local 10, firefighters rescued a driver who is trapped inside a mangled car underneath a tractor trailer early Monday morning in Doral. The crash was near the intersection of Northwest 25th Street and Northwest 97th Avenue. I don't know where those are. Oh, they're in Miami-Dade. Miami-Dade Fire Rescue came on the scene. Uh, they were specialized in hazardous materials. They, you know, there was diesel all over the fuel, 10 to 15 gallons, obviously all over that car as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, amazingly, Miami did fire and rescue personnel. They were able to get the driver out of that car. He survived. He was airlifted to uh, Jackson Memorial Hospital Rider Trauma Center. But man, that, that's not what happened in Christmas Vacation. Yeah, that, yeah, that whole move by uh, Clark Griswold yeah. is baloney, man. Yeah. That, 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 is, that is not, that car didn't even look like it had any tires left on it. So a buddy of mine was uh, a buddy of mine was in Hartford, Connecticut. He worked for FEMA Station in Hartford, yeah. Connecticut, and he used to go to um, I forget it was some chain restaurant that was right next to the hotel. Yeah. One day he's, he's driving into work and he sees he sees a truck on the side of the road and a car underneath it, right? Windshield first, so short yeah. shorts up to the back. Yeah. Turns out it was the waitress, like his regular waitress. Oh, like, there's no. nothing to do in Hartford, Connecticut, so he's always like at the at this particular bar at this restaurant, yeah. and then uh, they're like someone there told him they're like, oh, she died yesterday. She got. She got into a big accident on the road, and then he found oh, out it was that one that he'd driven past. Oh, that's, that's, that's awful. That's awful. Man, that's scary stuff. It is. Don't tailgate Dude. trucks. I'm not saying this is what happened here, but well, don't. it looks like it came across. I don't know. It does look like something. It's like a T-bone type of thing. Yeah, I mean, how do you get under exactly like that uh, yeah. at an intersection? Yeah, um, yeah. It looks like run. I, mean, I don't know. 
looks like a run red light or something. But. Yeah. Well, hopefully he survives that one. By the way, Eric Serta says, I'm a Marine. If anyone gives instruction, I almost always follow. Of course, I was stretching. Okay. Hoorah. Love it. <laughs> there you go. Here's a good story go. for you. So Eric Serta, maybe you can be doing this too. Eric said that he got that AMC stock. He's got the diamond hands. Oh, okay. He even yeah, bought more. He's still holding. Well, here is a good story from this GameStop saga. You know, if you read the What the Truck newsletter, um, I sort of chronicled what, what happened. If you haven't been following closely the news and you want like from a... I don't know, an easy-to-understand perspective, a quick synopsis, get the What the Truck newsletter. It's also on FreightWaves.com. You can yeah. find it there. But a man sold his GameStop stock to buy Nintendo Switches for Children's Hospital, right? Very Alley Gaming reports a college student now identified as Hunter Khan from Minneapolis, the wrath of Khan, uh, but not the wrath, the giving of Khan, has revealed on Reddit that he sold some of his shares in GameStop this week, unfortunately. He probably could have bought some PS5s if he sold it last week, but after the... You know, effery by Robin Hood. That was more difficult. And by the yeah. time you could sell on Monday, <laughs> it wasn't worth nearly as much money. It was like from three eighty six down to eighty six dollars. But yeah. rather than spend it on himself, he bought six Nintendo Switches plus games for Children's Minnesota uh, Ch- Children's Minnesota Hospital. And um, if you want to, you can also donate some Nintendo Switches to them as well. He said a lot of people are saying that this is somewhat like a transfer of power. But if the money is going from here just to the other side, there is no difference. If we just are acting the same way as the people we're criticizing. So I think it's important that we don't become men in suits ourselves and use our money for good. I love I love that young college mind, too. Don't let the world destroy you and taint you and make you a cynical yeah. Bitter man. Don't Mr. put on Khan. the suit, man. Don't, Don't put, put on, on the suit. suit. Damn the suits. You know what? I'm not a fan of like wearing suits and ties, but I got to say, Pierre's tie today. Oh, he sharp. was. Oh, he looked good. The sharp dress. He looked, man. He looked good. Yeah. Easy yeah. top right. We as started as off like church that. with a well dressed preacher. <laughs> he really did. <laughs> yes, we did. We well, some governors on Reddit, though, they've called this man the real Robin Hood. The real Ooh. Robin Hood. Giving back to the, uh, the community Ooh. and giving back to the people. Oh. He is. There's one other story in the What the Truck newsletter. Oh, there now, is. Okay. I don't know if you read it yesterday, but so there's. I did. So, I did. There's, there's, did you read the one about the salt truck? So I reached out I to did. Emily Zink, too, because this <laughs> happened in Cincinnati. So in Cincinnati, right, there's this guy driving around salt in the roads. He's a yeah. city of Cincinnati salt guy. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what happens, but apparently he drives by some cops. And um, mm-hmm. they're pulling over someone unrelated, completely unrelated to the incident. And some of the salt goes flying off his truck. And the cops are like, you drove too close. You got salt on us. I'm oh, did he have the, the sprayer going? Did he go by with the sprayer well, going? Well, that's when they start chasing him. So they start okay. chasing this guy, right? Yeah. He yeah. does a U-turn, and he's like, they're still coming after him. So he lifts up the bed of the truck, and he turns oh, no. on the spreader, and he covers them like, you know, like Marty McFly did the Biff <laughs> with the manure. He's covering them in salt. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. You know, you, have you ever done anything like that in a police chase? I usually I've never just covered them in salt, no. No. I've always, I've always pulled over. Um... <laughs> Uh, so it's very respectful. What a wild scene. <laughs> I asked her to get us some footage because I'm like, I have to see what this thing looked like with, with it on it. But she said it wasn't in her, uh, her jurisdiction, unfortunately. But Emily, uh, if you do come across that video, please do give it to us. Uh, Friday on the show, we got a really good one coming for you. We got uh, Kevin Schultz. He's a co-founder and president at the 357 Company. They oh, sent us some awesome swag, and they are they in that did. space of hemp logistics. We kind of alluded to it with Hope White. We were like, did. you know, we're talking to a different hemp logistics company. They're on the Ready? other side of the country. That's but, right. Um, got some swag. They, they do. They got some good stuff going on that. They company. do. They do. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to put that on for Friday. Yeah. Tyson Lawrence, he's president and CEO at Tactic Logistics Group. He's going to come to us with his uh, comeback story, starting at the bottom. Now look at him now. See where he is. 
Right. We get John Mahoney. He's a sales development lead at HYCU. He's not in freight, but the reason we brought this guy on the show is we kind of appreciate He made us like a custom video message on LinkedIn, and he sent it to you and I, and he knew that like I reference wrestling all the time. Yeah. So they, yeah. he put uh, a bunch of different wrestling um, quotes and things on there, and we're like, you know what? All right, we'll talk you to you go. a little bit about sales because we Why know not? that's applicable in freight. And then, you know, we got play it forward on here. We're going to have our first ever cook it for it. Yes. Oh, no kidding. All right. Yeah, yeah. Mark Dela. In, in studio, hopefully, right? Well, it's a virtual. Oh, I do want to do a competition. I want to okay. do like a chopped of, of freight on, on what right. the truck. Right. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Shall be even right. But it's Mark, De- Mark Dela Viencia, sales director at Portage Transport. He's going to cook it for it with us. You can find this show in your favorite podcast player by looking up what the truck or Freightcast. Look up Freightcast. Get every single Freightways podcast all in one place. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Duna. That is D double O N E R. Got a good story. Email me, tduner at freightwaves.com or look up Vincent the Dude. Thank you so much. Peace and love. Peace and love, everyone. Peace and love.